Hail be thou, ladies, gentlemen, and all those in between and non-conforming. Welcome to Frosty Tales with your host, Isa Frost. Today we'll start with a shorter story set in the continent of Blackthorn during the reign of Queen Isaiah, somebody that you will be hearing more about in a different story. But for now, let's set our sights in the forest where our first story is just beginning. Being an evil witch, while lucrative in return, was quite a difficult task in practice. Everybody inherently hated you, and you were alone more often than not in your life. That being said, somebody did need to do it, to bring balance to the existential equation and to give knights in shining armor a not-so-shiny foil to fight. Coincidentally, a demon named Umbra was such a witch. She didn't enter into the business intending to be evil, but over time she was shoved into the villain role. People catch view of a tall stick-like demon, and they run away. People saw said demon using magic, and they ran away faster. It didn't matter that she was born outside of hell some years ago, or that her main knowledge was actually in medicine. She was in this situation, for better or for worse, and this is where our story starts. Gathering regents for a potion of instant death, the demon searched through the northern forest on light feet. It was dusk out, and the perfect time to capture the bioluminescent leaves she needed. After searching for the better part of the evening, she found said plants by a small stream. Umber grinned crookedly in satisfaction and made room in her wicker basket for the regent. Gently, she kneeled down and plucked the green appendages gingerly, focusing intently on her attempt to not bruise the specimen in her claw-like nails. As her basket was nearing its limit, a crack of twigs snapped from the forest behind her. The witch straightened in fright and spun around to see what had snapped them. The long, twisted horn sprouting from her scalp caught on the branches above her and shook the plants, causing a loud, rustling sound. King Ari above, she cursed, grinding her sharp teeth. Another snap brought her attention back to the forest. With her focus on the sight in front of her, Umberdark saw how great her misfortune actually was. She mentally berated herself for not bringing her weapon as a scowl grew on her face. The magic-imbued Phaland Oak of her staff would have been helpful in a situation such as this. Coming out of the forest and into the small clearing was the infamous folk hero of Blackthorn, Sir Bromaine Pureheart, along with his heavily armored squire, Clarebright. Umbra sighed deeply and tore her horns out from the tree above, facing fully the protagonist and his sidekick, both of whom were on horseback. Umberdark Shadow, Witch of Damde Valley, came her name from the voice of Pureheart, prideful with a touch of paladin-esque conceit. If those two adjectives just happened to be synonymous, he would have earned them both fully in their own right by how big she knew his head to be. Sir Bromaine purely horrible, how fun, she rebounded with a sarcastic mock, attempting to sound casual. It was no secret that there was a price on her head. There have been many who have tried to kill her, but... This knight was the one who'd come close to succeeding on a previous occasion. Hopefully she could sidetrack this conversation into banter and find a way to escape. For crimes against Blackthorn, in Queen Isaiah's good name, you are sentenced to death. It is time to serve said sentence. He informed in a holier-than-thou tone. Her former hope of banter was bashed. Umbra, practiced in the art of seeming unfazed, rose a brow. And just how do you know you won't be taking my place? She asked lightly, sparks of lightning crackling across her knuckles. In all honesty, this display was the most she could do without her staff or her spellbook. But the knight in front of her did not need to know that about Umberdark. The witch, like most demons, didn't have any strong inherent magical properties without a focus. The knight drew his sword and sprung off the horse, approaching the witch with the weapon held high, eyes hungry for the kill. It was clear that he would save her and drag this out. 
Clairbright, on the other hand, never being one for battle, slid off their horse to grasp and keep hold of the reins of the hero's mare. Umbra leisurely looked around, not showing any of her panic. She needed to find an escape. The forest would not be good in a haste because of the thick knots of branches and leaves above and around. Staying and fighting the night for freedom would be suicide. She looked to the burly horse that Pureheart had left a few steps back and she smiled, a plan coming to mind. The demon reached into her basket and threw a handful of pollen into the hero's face, assaulting his eyes with the sand-like specimen. She'd have to find more on a later date, but that effort was worth her life now. Pureheart recoiled back and howled in pain, bringing his sword down to Umbra's right. The witch dodged to the left, getting slightly clipped on her shoulder. The sword wound seared into her blood and cauterized her wound with holy energy. She shoved Bromaine over and ran to the horse, who protested her approach with fear. Ignoring this reaction, she jumped on and dug her heels into the sides of the animal. The steed reared back and ran a short distance through the trees and onto the road. The demon laughed in achievement until she heard a curious noise of panic below her. Claire Bright, is, is that you? She looked down to see the young squire staring up at her through the dark slits of their large helmet, quite attached to the side of the horse. Stop the horse, please! Upon further examination, Claire Wright's heavy armor seemed to be caught on the saddlebag as the squire was trying his best not to fall off the horse until he managed to entangle himself. Umbra looked behind her to see Sir Bromaine crashing through the bushes and onto the road, riding the sidekick's smaller horse. He looked rabid with fury. The demon swallowed spit and refocused on the road in front of her. Sorry boy, can't right now. She tried to literally kick Claire Wright off the horse with her muddy boot, but she couldn't do so due to the squire's grip for dear life. The horse's hooves and the speed he would have hit the ground would have done a number on him if he dropped now. Giving up, she kept riding at full speed, ignoring the cries for help. After a few moments, she noticed that from the corner of her eye that he seemed to be slipping on his own while still being quite attached to the saddle and reins. She weighed her options before reaching down and pulling him up onto the saddle behind her. The horse gained speed, weight now distributed evenly. Get back here with my squire, Hellborn! The knight raged from behind her on a far more dinky animal. I wasn't born in hell, and I won't stop now, Brovane. She retaliated, redoubling the horse's effort. The hero had both shrunk into the distance and disappeared before Umbra slowed the poor exhausted animal to a walk. The demon heard another noise and looked down to notice that there were heavily armored arms clasped around her, frightened stiff. She looked back over her shoulder to Clarebright and tried to shoot a scrutinizing gaze through the oversized helmet's small eye slits. Unfortunately, she couldn't see his eyes through them, only darkness. The witch gave up and turned back to the road, keeping the stubborn animal on track. The assistant stayed silent, not lightening his grasp. If you want to squeeze me to death, you should know that demons are quite durable. The grip lessened but stayed. After several moments of silence, she was just about to accept that her new companion had seemed to lost her tongue when he decided to speak. Sorry, Lady Shadow, but you did ride quite fast, he mumbled with what seemed to be no small amount of embarrassment. Umbra's heart tendered minutely, but she didn't let it show. Well, it's not particularly my fault you were caught on the horse I chose to ride. The squire went quiet, and for quite a while, Umbra suffered awkwardly in his silence. They were almost at the entrance of Damday Valley when she decided to speak up again. Well, I mean, it wasn't really your fault either, now was it? She acknowledged. The boy hidden under all that armor laughed with an emotion that broke her softened heart. It's fine. I've been at fault for doing much less, Lady Shadow. She didn't know what to say to that. The silence went on as the forest darkened and the landscape slanted downward. She could feel Clarebright looking around nervously at the shadowy trees and glowing eyes of the wild animals watching them ride. You haven't tried escaping, she pointed out with a playful mischief. You are aware that I've kidnapped you, yes? 
It was partially by accident, but I can't very well let you leave back to Romaine willingly. That would ruin my reputation. I doubt I'd want to meet those animals without a sword, he replied simply. Umber raised a brow and laughed. You have intelligence, boy. I'll give you that. They reached the deepest point of the valley, and a cave lay in its wake. The demon jumped off the horse, and she led it to a small stream beside the cave and let it drink. Clarabite was still on the animal, scared stiff. Umbra sighed, and she lifted the suit of armor containing the boy off the horse and onto the grass beside her. He was quite short and looked up at her through the slitted helmet. Come inside, Clarabite. I'll fix us some supper, she stated tiredly, letting the squire inside. She wasn't overly cruel, and despite not letting the boy leave until Tearheart came to get him, she'd beat him and let him sleep. Umbra had no use for a prisoner other than to keep appearances. Once past the illusion barrier keeping her cave looking dark and dreary, the inside of her cave was bright and expansive, sigils marking the wall with light that brightened the several rooms within. She had carved a space out over time with the power of cleverly placed sigils and the power of her staff, suiting it to her needs and expectations. The demon looked down the Clarabrite, watching him look around with what seemed to be awe by his body language. She patted his metal shoulder smugly, causing him to flinch back violently. I have no reason to hurt you, Clarabrite, she assured softly, walking past him and into the kitchen. She had a modest stove and used it to cook some soup. Once it was done, she poured half of it into her bowl and half into another, grabbed some bread she had made the day beforehand, and walked back into the main room. Clarabrite still stood stiffly by the door. The demon walked over to the stone table in the middle of the room and sat down, placing a serving of meal in front of her and one across from her. She started to eat hers and waited for the squire to join her. Child, I know this is scary, but you need to take care of yourself, she commented, slicing a piece of bread and placing it onto the plate beside his dish. He seemed to look at it for a few moments before walking slowly forward and sitting down suspiciously. He didn't remove his helmet, but lifted a plate in said helmet just enough to push the bread through. Umbra scowled with worry, but she didn't comment and went back to her own food. By the time they were both finished, the bread loaf was gone, but not by her. Clarabrite closed the plate and sat stiffly, waiting for whatever would come next. Umbra stood and looked out the entrance of the cave. While it was bright inside, the forest was dark. It was a little past midnight, if her guess was right. I think it's around time for bed, she mused. The witch turned to the squire. I don't have an extra bed. Blankets should be fine, right? The boy nodded slowly. She returned the nod and went back to get her extra blankets and pillows. As she returned to the room, she noticed that Clarabrite had once again not moved during her absence. She laid the blankets on the hard floor apologetically and stepped back. The boy hesitantly approached and shifted the blankets into the most comfortable manner possible before looking up at Umbra and laying down in his full armor. You can take the armor off. I promise not to hurt you during the night, she tried. He looked extremely uncomfortable, and the demon couldn't even begin to imagine the feeling of sleeping in such an oversized, mouth-fitted suit of armor. She hesitantly tapped the dented shoulder plate, and the boy flinched away yet again. I can't, he said simply. Umbra scowled with worry and kneeled down beside him to analyze the armor closely. Clarabrite begrudgingly let her, allowing her to grab one of his arms and lift it to eye it carefully. What she saw concerned her greatly, and she looked up into the dark eye slits of Clarabrite's helmet with horror. The witch had to make sure, so she crossed her legs and sat in front of the squire, eye to eye slit with him, holding the oversized gauntlet in her hands. Are you- are you shut in? she asked with disbelief. The boy nodded and curled in on himself the best he could, facing away from Umbra. She could hear an otherwise silent sniffle reverberate from inside the helmet. The demon bit her lip to hold back her fury. It wasn't at the trapped child, but at the likely man who put him in this situation. Did Pureheart do this? After a moment of heavy stillness, 
There was a nod. A flare of rage crossed her features, amounting in a growl that the boy flinched back from. She caught up to and bound her anger, seeing him scared, and she looked down to him softly. Is the armor magic? He shrugged simply. Umberdark nodded in thought, and an idea came to mind. Do you mind if I test for magic? He shrugged again, feigning indifference behind the mask of metal. I won't do this until you directly consent, she informed gently. Clara Wright's hand lifted and held itself out for Umber to grasp. Do your thing. She nodded and laid a claw-like hand on the metal of his gauntlet softly, closing her eyes to focus. She couldn't feel magic in the metal itself, but surprisingly, the being under it radiated a steady but weak amount of power. After blinking her pitch-black eyes open, her gaze were focused on Clara Bright, who had sat back up to face her during her meditative trance. It's not magic, Clara, she informed. Do you give me leeway to remove a glove? He nodded slowly. Umbra placed her other hand just above where the gauntlet ended and held fast. The first hand yanked the glove off with such a force that whatever sealant the armor had used to keep itself together broke. The gauntlet skid across the floor to reveal a petite but incredibly burned hand. The witch looked up to the eye slits of the helmet once again with horror. As she looked back at the hand, it bled from the scrapes that were caused when the demon had yanked the glove off. She frowned and stood. Keep a blanket on the scrapes for pressure. I'll be right back. Clara Wright simply nodded and did as told. Movement must have been incredibly painful. The burns didn't seem to stop at the hand. Umbra had a feeling on why the squire was in the armor and why exactly his current burns were a mix of fresh scalds and non-healed old ones. She went into an adjacent room, her potions room, and grabbed a few regents. She crushed them into a poultice as she walked back into the room. Walking into a different room, she grabbed bandages and a bowl. She went by where Clarabrite was sitting, rested most of the items on the blanket, and left the cave to the stream. She filled the bowl of water, returned to the cave, and boiled it. As it cooled down, Umbra sat in front of the iron-enveloped fairy and gestured for him to give her his hand. This may hurt a little, but you'll feel better, she informed softly, scooping a bit of poultice with her index finger and slathering it onto his hand. The hand twitched in pain, but soon enough relaxed as the burns disappeared. All that was left were the cuts. She grabbed a rag, dipped it in the water, and gently cleaned the lime green substance off his hand and away from the wounds, rubbing a different potion into it before wrapping a bandage around his hand. Clairbert raised his hand up to the eye slits and wondered at his healing hand. Umbra smiled. This was why she became a witch in the first place. It didn't matter what she told herself and what others told her. This was who she was. Are you ready for the rest? Clairbright nodded enthusiastically. The process continued for the next hour until both arms and lower body were free. The demon gestured to the head, and the fairy nervously nodded. Umbra gently put a hand on either side of Clairbright's helmet and gave one big tug. It popped off relatively easily, revealing the burned face of a teenage boy with bright magenta hair and turquoise eyes. The demon offered him the bowl, and he rubbed the poultice on his face himself. The burns faded away to reveal that his regular skin tone was a light, bright pink. Umbra grinned as their eyes met for the first time. Well, it's a pleasure to finally meet you, child, she quipped, lifting the cloth and removing the sludge from his face and long-pointed ears. Clara Bright smiled shyly. You've known me for years, Lady Shadow. She replied with a disused voice, gaze laced with hints of mischief and relief. Umbra scoffed playfully and smiled. And yet we've never met face to face, now have we? She returned easily with a light tone. The fairy snorted a laugh and his features softened in joy and grief. No, I... I guess we haven't, she replied. In the moment of silence to follow, the fairy wiggled a bit and shot forward, wrapping Umbra in a hug. The demon gently returned it after several moments of surprise, nails producing a click as each of them made contact with the metal covering his back. Are you ready for the last bit? She asked after letting the hug run its course. 
Clairbright sighed and gestured that he was ready with quite a bit of nerves of something unbeknownst to the demon. Umberdark smiled gently to calm him and found a place to rip the metal off of his torso. As the metal skidded across the floor, the demon gasped in sympathy and fury. Under the armor, he was burned like everywhere else, skin bright, blistered, and emitting warmth, but he had wings. The thin blue appendages were broken and contorted in a way that had them fit into his armor. Clairbright looked back at them and whimpered helplessly, eyes filling with tears at the sight. As a sob erupted from him, Umber carefully placed a hand on his cheek and redirected his moth-like blue eyes to her pitch-black ones. His features softened in emotion as he radiated grief and loss. We will fix them, she assured. It will take time, but he will fly again. And that is the end of part one of The Boy in the Armor. Again, this is Isa Frost, signing off from the very first segment of Frosty Tales. If you've enjoyed this story so far, please do consider subscribing, since there are many more stories left to cover in the Book of Tricontinent, including the second half of this one. As said when saying goodbye in the Tricontinent, May Forest give you luck, Lazarus give you years, and Exudo Irie give you peace.